Are you in excruciating pain brought on by your son, daughter, or spouse suffering from addiction? You are not alone. If you call Recovery Centers of America today at 1-888-RECOVERY, your whole family can begin to recover. At Recovery Centers of America at Capital Region and Bracebridge Hall, your loved one will be treated with care by expert addiction professionals, while family programming will give you support and healing so that you can recover as well. RCA accepts insurance, provides transportation, and offers intervention services. Call 1-888-RECOVERY now. Hi, I'm John Bear, the host and lead researcher for Stories of Sacrifice, American POW MIA podcast, and the U.S. POW MIA family locating. A free forensic genealogy public service I provide to support POW MIA families trying to get their loved one identified and brought home. First, I want to thank you, our listeners, for your interest in the Stories of Sacrifice podcast. Our goal with the podcast is to tell the world about the sacrifice these brave heroes gave for the freedoms we enjoy every day. They gave our country their last full measure. They give us their tomorrow for our freedom today. Second, we would like to raise public awareness that thousands of these heroes from World War I, World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and the Cold War have still not yet been found or returned to the United States, with many still buried as unknowns in our own national cemeteries, their families still waiting for our government to disinter and identify them. So what can you do to support this important mission? First, if you are a relative of a missing in action service member, you can visit the Defense POW MIA Accounting Agency website for more information about providing a family reference DNA sample. If you want more information, you can also contact me at john at uspowmiafamilylocating.com. Even if you're not related to an MIA, you can contact your members of Congress to request they allocate enough funding to support the POW MIA mission and to change the DPAA policy to a DNA lead process and create additional public partnerships to disinter and process the remains for those that are buried as unknown. You can also help us in our mission by sharing these podcast stories with your friends, family, and consider sharing them on your own social media. We would also appreciate if you could leave us a review on your favorite podcast app. You can also visit www.storiesofsacrifice.org and leave us a review there. You can visit our affiliate links on our website where we will earn a small commission on your purchases and no extra cost to you. If you feel moved to do so, please visit our donation links on our website to help us continue this important mission. Just sharing these stories helps us greatly and we cannot thank you enough for listening. Sit back and relax and we hope you enjoy today's show. Welcome to Stories of Sacrifice, World War II American POW MIAs in the Philippines. This is a production of the U.S. POW MIA Family Locating. I'm your host and lead researcher, John Barrett. Welcome to today's episode of Stories of Sacrifice, World War II, American POW MIAs in the Philippines. 
I'm going to release this episode in two parts over the next few weeks. I want to share some information about the military units that served on Bataan and Corregidor at the outbreak of World War II in the Pacific. Most have heard about the Army, Army Air Corps, and Navy units that were in the Philippines, but little is known of the other branches, the United States Coast Guard and the United States Marine Corps. Out of the thousands of service members who were held as prisoners of war by the Japanese at POW Camp Cabatatuan, and of the 2,756 Americans who died there and are listed on the Cabatatuan Memorial, the service member breakdown is as follows. U.S. Army and U.S. Army Air Forces, 2,602. U.S. Navy was 76. U.S. Marine Corps, 58. U.S. Coast Guard, only one. In this two-part episode, I want to talk about the U.S. Marine Corps and the U.S. Coast Guard. But first, I want to give you a quick message from Ancestry, which I use every day in my research. For over 30 years, you've connected to your family history with Ancestry. Our expansive record collections and growing network of family trees have helped our members make billions of meaningful connections. Those are more than names and dates. They're relatives, homes, hardships, and triumphs that all become part of the rich stories we share. And while you're connecting to your family, we're working to make your discoveries easier and more rewarding. We're evolving how DNA shows who you're connected to. We're simplifying the ways you keep track of family, old and new. And we're helping to fuel your breakthroughs by always listening to you, improving everything we do to serve you better. Because your family's story has always been our priority. Imagine what's possible when we connect it all together. In today's Part 1 episode, the single U.S. Coast Guardsman who fought valiantly in the defense of Bataan and Corregidor, but died at Cabatatuan, Lieutenant Thomas James Eugene Crody of Buffalo, New York, better known as Jimmy to his close friends and family, was identified earlier this year. After graduating the Coast Guard Academy in 1934, Crody had a short but promising Coast Guard career, which hardened him into a mature leader. In the summer of 1941, he received orders to sail for the Philippines, and joined a Navy mine recovery unit near Manila. By early fall, Crody had departed on a one-way trip to the South Pacific. The next several months of Crody's career provided some of the most eventful and arduous ever experienced by a Coast Guard officer. Upon his arrival in the Philippines on October 28th, the Navy attached Crody to inshore patrol headquarters at the American Navy Yard, located near Manila. On 10 December, Japanese aircraft bombed and damaged most of those facilities, and the advancing enemy ground forces ne- necessitated the movement of American units behind fortified lines on the Bataan Peninsula and into the island fortress of Corregidor. During this evacuation, Crody supervised the demolition of strategic civilian and military facilities to prevent them from falling into enemy hands. This equipment and material included the Navy Yard's ammunition magazine and the fleet submarine USS Sea Lion, which the enemy damaged during an air attack. Crody had the sub stripped of useful parts, filled it with depth charges, and blew it up on Christmas Day. 
The Navy withdrew Crody and his and its other personnel from Manila to the 6th Naval District Headquarters at Fort Mills on Corregidor. The Navy reassigned Crody to the local guard unit, but he also participated in night raids on the mainland to demolish more American equipment and facilities before the Japanese occupied the mainland around Manila. During February and March of 1942, Crody served as executive officer of the Navy minesweeper USS Quail, which shot down enemy aircraft and swept American minefields so U.S. submarines could surface at night to deliver goods and remove critical personnel. During his time as executive officer, Quell served as the command vessel and provided shore bombardment for an offensive against Japanese landings, attempting to cut off supply lines to the American forces trapped on the Bataan Peninsula. The combined sea and land operation wiped out the Japanese on the beachhead. However, by the end of March, Bataan's defenders had been under siege for over five months, and on 9 April 1942, the exhausted American and Filipino forces on Bataan finally surrendered. The island defenders of Corregidor held out for another month after the Bataan surrender. Crews on board Navy vessels such as Quill had cannibalized deck guns and moved them onto the island to mount a final stand against the encircling enemy forces. Crody served up to the bitter end fighting alongside the island's stubborn Army, Navy, and Marine defenders. Eyewitnesses reported last seeing him commanding a force of Marine and Army personnel manning 75mm beach guns firing down on the enemy forces landing on Corregidor's beaches. When the Japanese bombardment finally silenced Crody's guns, Corregidor defenders knew the island fortress would fall soon. With Corregidor's capitulation on 6 May 1942, Crody became the first Coast Guard prisoner of war since the War of 1812. Lieutenant Crody would soon end up at the notorious Cabatatuan POW camp. Crody's fellow prisoners at Cabatatuan knew him for his love of sports as well as his sense of humor and optimism. One of them wagered a bet with Crody on the outcome of the 1942 World Series, while other later recounted that. The one striking thing that I remember was his continued optimism and cheerfulness under the most diverse circumstances. He was outstanding in in this respect at the time when such an attitude was so necessary for the general welfare. But Crody's courage and optimism could not sustain him late into the summer of 1942 when a diphtheria epidemic swept through the camp, killing over 40 prisoners per day. Crody contracted the illness, and with the prison's lack of necessary medications and proper health care, he passed away only days after getting sick. Crody received little recognition for his heroic efforts during those desperate days of early 1942, due in part to the destruction of the records and the historical information and the death of so many eyewitnesses. Lieutenant Crody died on 19 July 1942 and was buried along with fellow prisoners in the Cabatatuan Camp Cemetery in grave number 312. In January of 2018, the unknown remains associated with Common Grave 312 were disinterred and sent to the DPAA laboratory for analysis, including one set designated as X2858 Vanilla Number 2. To identify Crody's remains, scientists from the DPAA used dental and anthropological analysis as well as circumstantial and material evidence. Additionally, scientists from the Armed Forces Medical Examiner System used microchondrial DNA analysis. Jimmy Crody not only strived for the Coast Guard's core values of honor, respect, and devotion to duty, he lived them.
He served his men, his country, and the Coast Guard to the best of his abilities, and he remained true to the core values even under the most cruel and inhumane conditions. In the words of one of his shipmates and peers, Intelligence Officer Lieutenant Commander Danny W. Knoll, Lieutenant Crody impressed us all with his fine qualities of naval leadership, which were combined with a very pleasant personality and a willingness to assist everyone to the limit of his ability. He continued to remain a very cheerful and retained a high morale until my departure from Fort Mills the evening of May 3rd. Lieutenant Crody is worthy of condemnation for his energetic and industrious manner in which he performed all his tasks. He continued to be an outstanding example of an officer and a gentleman to all hands and was a source of encouragement to many who did not possess his high qualities of courage and perseverance that he displayed. Seventy-seven years after his death, Lieutenant Thomas James Eugene Crody's remains were returned to his family in New York and buried with honor under a headstone with his own name. Thank you for listening to Stories of Sacrifice, World War II American POW MIAs in the Philippines. This has been a production of the U.S. POW MIA Family Locating. You can find us on the web at U.S. POW MIA Family Locating dot com opinions expressed in this podcast are our own and given in the best intention overall the powmia accounting community is doing what it can with limited resources it is our hope additional federal funding will be provided along with additional partnerships established to disinter and process the remains of our own loans located in the national cemeteries you can help by contacting your congressional representatives and asking that they implement a DNA lead policy for those unknown POWMIAs. Thank you for listening. You know when you order a new video game, or a golf club, or a blender, and then it arrives at your door, you get a little thrill. Imagine how much more thrilling it is when you order a new car. With Nissan at Home, you can shop for the perfect ride and order it without ever having to go anywhere. Sure beats a golf club or a blender. Buy a new car entirely online with Nissan at Home. Deliver direct from dealer to driveway. Thrill starts here. Services may vary at participating dealers subject to applicable lossy dealer for details.
Everybody needs just the right amount of fuel to get going in the morning. For some, a nice McDonald's egg and cheese bagel is just enough to do it. Others might prefer a McDonald's bacon egg and cheese bagel. Or perhaps a sausage egg and cheese bagel. And there are those where nothing will do but a hearty McDonald's steak egg and cheese bagel. Four different breakfast bagels to get you going. Tomorrow morning, give your engine a head start at participating McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.